All right, we're on to the breastplate of righteousness this week. And I want to read you Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. I know we've heard these verses read a couple of times already from more traditional versions of the Bible. And this week I'd like to read it from the message translation. It's not a version I use that regularly, but it does give a fresh insight into some of the more traditional expressions that we read in King James Version or the NIV. Uh, It does come over slightly different, so here we go. And that about wraps it up. God is strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that that we'll walk away from and forget in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Telling the mystery to one and all. The message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. It's interesting to see the emphasis here on the two things that we've already heard about from Nick and John as we started this series. Nick's message was, we need it, not as a one-off, but every day of our lives. Here in the message translation we read, this is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. We also hear, be prepared, you're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, and you'll need them throughout your life. We need it. We need God's armour. And remember, it's God's armour, not something made by man, but issued by God for our protection. Man's ways are fallible, but God's ways are perfect. So use what God has given you. You'd be daft not to. John told us about the belt of truth and what that meant in relation to God, ourselves and others. But none of this means anything unless we put on the belt of truth. We're told here in the message, learn how to apply them. It is there waiting for us to pick up and use, as are all the other pieces of armour, metaphorically speaking. 
Nick and John both told us that Paul used a Roman soldier's armour as his illustration, as it was something the people of Paul's day would immediately relate to. Interestingly, the message doesn't use the same imagery, but conveys the same message equally powerfully. So we need the armour of God every day in every situation. And we need to be willing to pick it up and wear it for our protection. You may remember Nick's illustration of standing in a vest and shorts in front of a fully armoured American footballer. The refrigerator springs to my mind. Those of you who know anything about American football, there was a guy who was massive, and he was called the refrigerator. And if he got in your way, you trembled a bit, I'll tell you. He was absolutely massive. But you imagine standing there just in vest and shorts in front of this guy about to charge at you without your armour on. Why would you when the armour is there available for you? So today we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. In its literal use in the Roman army, the breastplate was used to protect the heart, lungs, intestines and other vital organs. It's interesting, when we were in the other room before the service started, the conversation was completely about health and about illnesses and about things. It must be an age thing, I think. But the breastplate is used to protect the heart, lungs, intestines and other vital organs in the Roman army. Breastplate is actually a little bit of a misnomer in that it wasn't just a single sheet of metal like you might imagine the knights of old wearing. And they sat on horses so they didn't have to worry about it too much but it is actually a series of thick leather or more likely metal strips bound together with leather thongs to make them reasonably lightweight and pliable as well as providing the vital protection needed they needed to be made like this because anyone who's read any roman history knows that occasionally the roman legions had to do a forced march to get to a place ready for battle And it was nothing for them to march 25 miles in seven hours. 25 miles in seven hours. And not only that, when they got there, they needed to arrive there ready for battle. Because quite often, they didn't get much rest before they had to go into battle. So the fact that this armour was lightweight and reasonably pliable was actually very important in that respect. In Jewish times, the heart represented the mind and the will and the bowels were considered the seat of emotions and feelings. It's interesting, these are the main areas, mind, will, emotion and feelings, that Satan most fiercely attacks with his lies and deceits. No wonder then that they need protection. So what is this righteousness that we're talking about? John MacArthur, in his New Testament commentary on Ephesians, describes it as this. The breastplate of righteousness that we put on as a spiritual armour against our adversaries is the practical righteousness of a life lived in obedience to God's word. It's the practical righteousness of a life lived in obedience to God's word. God supplies the standard and the power, but as we've already heard, we need to supply the willingness There are just a couple of three scriptures here which uh, back this statement up. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 states, 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Philippians 3, 9-12 says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Ephesians 4, 20-24 says, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I want you to note that in all of these, we are required to take action. We're required to take action and positive steps to attain God's righteousness. It's not a passive one-way transaction. We are required to actively play our part with willing and contrite hearts. We need to have on that protective breastplate at all times because we need it. Without it, the devil will work away at us, not openly and obviously because hopefully we would see that and combat it, but subtly and slowly over time so that we don't notice until it's too late and he has drawn us away from our close relationship with God and Jesus. And I don't know about you, but it's so much harder then to get back to where you were before. Most of you know, I think, that shortly after I became a Christian through various circumstances, I allowed, looking back, Satan to draw me away from that intimate relationship with God. And it was 16 years later that God was able to draw me back to himself. But I had to be willing. He'd tried several times in the intervening period, but I had turned my back on him. It was only when I realised and saw that I needed him back in my life and invited him back that he came back into my life. God will never impose his will on us. We need to be a willing co-partner with him and allow him to shape and mould us as we walk his path of righteousness. If we wear God's armour constantly and actively, it's no good having it on and doing nothing with it. We need to be active in our wearing of it. He will protect us. And as it says in the message, and put them, the armour, to use, so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. If you don't wear it, the devil can have free reign. Righteousness is applying and living out the biblical truths that we learnt about from John last week. 
It's one thing knowing biblical verses off by heart, and I'm not knocking that. I know Fiona does Bible uh, verses for us to learn off by heart, and that's great. But not only do we need to know them, because the Pharisees did that, but as we read in the New Testament, they lost their way a bit, and their knowledge ended up being just a head knowledge, which they applied rigorously with man-made laws. They never transferred that knowledge to their hearts and lived them as God intended. And Matthew 23, we can read what Jesus had to say about the Pharisees. The breastplate of righteousness is applying the truth of God's word and protecting our vital organs, which as we heard earlier, the Jews, and we even today metaphorically consider to be the mind, the will, emotion, and feelings. And we say, don't we, he cut me to the heart, meaning he really upset my emotions and feelings. As we've seen, we need it to thwart the devil's schemes. We need also to remember it's not just any old piece of armour that we're putting on. It's God's armour. We're told in Isaiah 59, 17 that God wears righteousness as a breastplate. And the chapter makes it clear that righteousness is a practical day-to-day righteousness that God expects and desires all Christians to live by. It is living the holy life. God promises to provide for all of our needs. And the armour described in Ephesians 6 is one of the ways in which he keeps that promise. But as we've seen, it needs action on our part as well. God provides the means, but we need to take hold of it and apply it to our lives, not as a one-off, but as the message says, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget a couple of hours later. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Bearing that in mind, we also need to bear in mind that whilst over these few weeks we are describing each individual piece of armour, what it meant at the time, and how to apply it to ourselves, at the end of the day we can't pick and choose which piece of armour we fancy wearing. If the Roman soldiers went into battle without their breastplates or helmets, and the opposing army unleashed a hail of arrows on them, which they regularly did, then many of the army would be killed before they actually engaged in hand-to-hand combat because they were not fully equipped for the battle. Similarly, any other combination of missing armour would make them vulnerable to the opposing army. In Christian spiritual terms, the same is true. We are told, are we not, to, as the message puts it, take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons, of the best materials and take all the help you can get every weapon that God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting you'll still be on your feet or as it's put in the New Living Translation put on all of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil and therefore Put on every piece of God's armour. Why, you might ask. We're told in the rest of the chapter, again in the New Living Translation, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, 
but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And also, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. We may not preach much on it today, and many people may poo-poo it and do, but we are engaged in a battle, not only here on earth, but also in the heavenly realms, where the devil will use all of his wiles to try and draw us away from God and the truth of his word. If we don't have on the full armour, then we will be vulnerable. So it's important that we do wear all of the armour, because we need it, not occasionally, but all of the time. Because the devil will take any opportunity we give him to attack us. Not that we need to be fearful of that because we have the ultimate victory through Christ and the guarantee of eternal salvation. But there will be battles along the way. I think all of us can testify to that and say amen. And Paul is telling us here the best way to fight those battles is by being fully prepared wearing all of the spiritual armour that God has provided. And then, as the NLT tells us, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Don't give the devil opportunity to weaken you and draw you away from your relationship with God and Jesus. Prepare yourself for spiritual warfare and confidence by putting on the full armour of God.